Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Wednesday, September 4th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Ahead, Hana Sharif is part of a wave of women and people of color taking the artistic reins at American theaters. When it came to who actually was making decisions behind the people you saw on stage, few of them looked like me. That has a real impact on the type of stories that get told. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin talks with the new artistic director at The Rep. First, the news. The St. Louis County Council is giving initial approval to a buffer zone for medical marijuana facilities. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports, some members disagree with the decision. The council voted 4-3 to three to place a 1,000-foot buffer zone between any medical marijuana facility and a school, daycare, or church. Councilman Tim Fitch says the guidelines make a lot of sense. I think it's necessary because that's the recommendation that came down from the state when medical marijuana was first voted in as a constitutional amendment in Missouri. Councilwoman Kelly Dunaway of Chesterfield says it's sometimes difficult for a medical marijuana facility to be a thousand feet away from a school, church, or daycare. I just wanted to give business owners and the people that are trying to get into this medical business an opportunity to have their business in a place that is convenient for them. The bill only affects unincorporated St. Louis County. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. St. Louis Public Radio. Members of the Missouri Black Caucus are frustrated with Governor Mike Parson on the issue of gun violence. Caucus leadership and the governor discussed the topic for about 30 minutes yesterday. State Representative Ashley Bland-Manlove, a Democrat from Kansas City, says the governor promises the issue will be addressed during the regular legislative session beginning in January. He was not able to, you know, divulge how deep that goes, um, but it will be a topic that we will discuss and hopefully we'll be able to make some movements, uh, maybe not gun control, but some of those other tools that are helpful in um, deterring violence. She says that includes workforce development and mental health services. Bland Manlove says the governor supports background checks, but is not sure he can get other Republicans on board. Governor Parson was not available for comment. Ameren, Missouri, plans to build solar energy installations for three rural Missouri communities. As St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen reports, the nearly $70 million project could also help some areas experience shorter power outages. Ameren wants to build three 10-megawatt solar energy centers by the end of 2020. Some energy will also be stored in batteries to use when it's not sunny. The utility will build them in Utica and Green City in northern Missouri and Richwoods, which is 60 miles southwest of St. Louis. Ameren Vice President Kevin Anders says the three communities are located at the end of transmission lines and tend to experience long power outages. Storing solar energy will help restore service faster. If they occur at all, that will be just a matter of minutes instead of uh, four to five hours. So, Renewable energy advocates say Ameren should build more solar plus storage facilities in Missouri. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio. We would really appreciate it if you can subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Also, if you're familiar with Twitter, I'm on it, at Wayne Radio. When the Repertory Theater of St. Louis begins a new season this week, it will welcome Hana Sharif as its first new artistic leader in decades. 
The playwright and director is one of a number of women who have seized the chance to lead American theaters in recent years. She's also the first black woman to take the artistic reins at a large St. Louis theater. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin spoke to her about shifts in the theater world and asked how she plans to expand the rep's audience. I think one of the things that's been challenging for the field is that there's been certainly kind of a monolithic audience. The American theater audience, if you look at the numbers statistically, tend to be older, uh, highly educated, large disposable income, uh, and predominantly white. And I have a personal philosophical belief that no matter who you are, whether you've been a subscriber at the rep for 50 years or you've never entered into the rep's doors, that you deserve access to the highest quality of art and the tools to tell your own stories. Even for myself, I've talked about this rarely, but occasionally in interviews to say that, you know, I was at a cross point where I had to make a decision about whether or not I was going to stay in the American theater because what we were seeing were that in our sister fields of television and film, that glass ceiling starting to crack and women stepping into positions as showrunners, as executive producers, as lead writers. Thinking about representation and theater leadership, by which I mean people who aren't white men, like yes. myself. <laughs> I saw you cite a statistic in an interview last year that in the previous two years, you said 34 artistic director jobs have come open, and of those 34, 17 of them have gone to women. Yes. It sounds like there's a real change happening. What's, what's going on out there? Well, what I would say is that we are in an unprecedented transformation of executive leadership in the American theater. We got very good 20 years ago at diversifying our seasons and putting stories that represented a wide range, diasporic range of cultural experiences on stage. But when it came to who actually was making decisions behind the people you saw on stage, the directors that were being chosen, the designers that were being chosen, none of them or few of them looked like me. That has a real impact on the type of stories that get told. And so you see the same type of play coming from Black or Latinx writers over and over and over again uh, because that was a, 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 a window into the culture that executive leadership might be comfortable with. When you have more people with diverse experiences and intersectionality around the table, there's going to be a real impactful shift that you see on your stages that comes from that. And I think it's going to be incredibly powerfully impactful in our communities. You led a rebranding effort in Baltimore. I did. Is the rep ripe for that treatment? This year for me, I call this the year of listening. I uh, loathe leaders who come into communities that they don't know and organizations that they're just learning with a whole plan on how to revamp an organization. I actually think fundamentally my first job is to learn St. Louis. And so this year, we are hiring a community organizer to work full-time on the artistic staff to work directly with me. That's a new position? This is a new position. We'll be working to create these community conversations in all of the different niche communities around St. Louis. And it's a listening tour for me. It's an opportunity to go into communities and learn about the idiosyncrasies of each community, the passions and the needs, and to understand where in the ecosystem the rep can serve. You mentioned coming to a, a crossroads where you were making a decision about staying in theater or not. Yeah. I just want to know how you feel about the direction of American theater now compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago. 
I look at the evolution of leadership, the evolution of um, the stories being told on our stages and the people who get to tell those stories, the directors and designers that are getting to bring all of themselves and their intersectionality into the work. And it makes me profoundly hopeful for the future. That was Repertory Theater of St. Louis Artistic Director Hannah Sharif speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin. Our David Casares edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.